welcome to Politics and Psychology. This is our season two, first episode of 2023. And I am so extremely excited and honored that you are here and that you are still listening. I also want to apologize for not having been able to do the podcast since November 10th of 2022 because there was just so much going on. But I did think about you almost every day, and I do apologize for being absent, but I hope you accept my apology, and I look forward to us having our continued conversations. And for this to not be a one-sided or a one-time conversation, as I always say, please remember to share your comments in the comment section below or on social media. What we're going to listen to today is a recap of my first anniversary of the podcast that I had with Dr. Alicia Magruder. And our podcast was called Provocative Conversations. And as I explained in our first episode of this podcast, Politics and Psychology, Dr. Alicia, she's a you know political force to be reckoned with. So she went on her campaign. And so I still felt really compelled to give you all the information and as she pers- continued to pursue her successful endeavors in industry and politics, then I am going to continue doing the podcast with politics and psychology. So that's where we are today. But January the 6th is the one year anniversary of when we started the podcast. And so I thank you for celebrating my anniversary with me. And I look forward to celebrating anniversary two with you as well. So be sure to listen in. Let me know what your thoughts are. Any questions, don't forget to, um, as I say, hit me up on social media or in my DMs. And again, I'm so grateful you for, grateful for you to still be here. I'm grateful for you to listen. And I hope you enjoy this episode. So Dr. Renee, after hearing about the attack on the Capitol and witnessing what we did on that day a year ago, I was hoping that we could hear your take on the people who participated in the rally and the riots. And I I wanted to note that I couldn't find a definitive answer to exactly how many people attended the rally or definitively how many people actually swarmed the Capitol, because I think there is a distinction. Mm -hmm. But at this time, yeah, this point in time, we do know that uh, 675 people have been charged with a crime. Yeah, so uh, what, what what is your take on that? Well, I think if we look at how this started, like the psychology of how it started, so thinking about um, like the groupthink mentality. So in order for um, previous President Trump to even have this ability and to have this control and power, he was able to leverage and capitalize on the mentality and fears of people who, looking back, really were resentful of a black man being the president. And so they did not like Barack Obama being president. Trump worked feverishly to try to discredit Barack Obama's actual legitimate winning of of the campaign and of, of the election. And so starting that campaign, you know, in his head years ago before he even ran for office. And then Trump, of course, is in office. He still is negatively regarding um, the previous president, Barack Obama's, you know, uh, tenure and any efforts that he made. And he also aggressively sought to undo any of the growth or progress that Obama had made. And so what a lot of people 
who were buying into Trump's rhetoric were believing is that it all started with having a black man in charge of a white empowered country. And so by consistently having the thought and saying that our way of life is being stolen, then you're then creating a backtrack psychologically of people thinking, okay, we need to protect ourselves. We need to take back what was stolen from us. And so then of course, when Trump is actually in office and then when he didn't win again, he's continuing with the verbiage of this was a steal. So whoever was on board with him before, who believed that Barack Obama was the um, the beginning of the country being stolen from them, and that Biden, who was also Barack Obama's vice president, is a continuation of this steal, they now have this ingrained belief system that we have to protect ourselves and protect our country at all costs because this was stolen from us and our very life, our very, very way of living is being threatened. And so we must act and we must act aggressively. So, so that whole thinking, go go ahead. What what exactly in your opinion mm-hmm. is is being stolen? Well, in my opinion, nothing was being stolen. But right. if you look at people, nothing was being stolen from me, of course, because obviously I'm a black female. And so mm-hmm. my views might be different from persons who are not black female and who are not being, um, you know, a, a, a victim or a circumstance of systemic long-term oppression mm-hmm. and refusal of resources. And so, but if you look for people who are used to having the benefit of systemic oppression, people who are used to benefiting from just their skin color, being white, being able to cause them to have more power and more privilege if you were then now have a black president who is like, okay, no, we're not going to continue with, you know, status quo, then they could feel as if they were losing their way of life, as if they were mm-hmm. losing their power. And that really is like the core of why they felt so justified to act because they honestly believe that they were being threatened, that their power was being usurped, and that they must not only act, but act quickly and aggressively to regain that control. Um, I do want to interject that there was a, um, a January 2020 psychological survey focusing on the belief systems and the thoughts of people who actually supported the riot or the insurrection. And 51% of the Republican voters who voted believed that there was a traditional way of life of American life was being threatened and that they, again, must act aggressively and with force to take it back. So 51% of the Republicans who actually endorsed this are saying we need to act aggressively. That's at least half of the Republican, you know, respondents who are saying we must act with force. So again, not every Republican agrees with what happened, but for the riot itself to happen, if they were being fed, spoon fed repeatedly, that we must take back our way of life, our way of life is being threatened, then they're going to not let go of that thought. And they're going to respond to what their person in power is saying, go fight and go attack. Right. And, and given that all of the other options of trying to usurp power did not work. Correct. This was the only option apparently left, right? Is that 
Right, right. So we couldn't we couldn't take it by political force. We couldn't use political connections. We couldn't even have our vice president side with us. So now it's up to us. Now we mm -hmm. must use hands to physically, violently take back control. Wow. Whew. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. How about we talk about some of the specific people okay. that, that were involved? So as you know, we, we decided to, to title our show today, How Domestic Terrorists Are Taking Over Our Country. Now, of course, that is a, a reference to the attackers on the Capitol. But we're, we're going to go into actually some of the people that participated either through uh, their attendance at the rally and participation in the riots or documented calls for violence or false claims about what ha actually happened at the insurrection. And these okay. are these people specifically are actually people who have uh, been elected into political positions or mm -hmm. are running for political positions. Mm hmm. So I, I do want to highlight, and I, I mentioned this before, but there were a lot of people who attended that rally that were not a part of the attacks. So, you know, Correct. I'm an activist. I have participated in a lot of marches and rallies. And, you know, if something were to happen at one of those where it turned violent, I wouldn't want anybody to automatically assume that I would also participate in the violence. Right. So like. And I think it is really important that we do make a distinction that um, some people did show up because they genuinely love and support Trump and, you know, and, and going through some of the things that you talked about before. I, I'm not saying I agree, <laughs> mm -hmm. but... Uh, but you can understand. I can understand that you show up because right. you have a belief and you have a strong feeling and and you feel called to action so you show up to support you know why do people still continue to believe this mm -hmm. rhetoric vote for people who clearly believe this rhetoric that is in in my opinion threatness threatening our democracy mm -hmm. why why when we have all the evidence that that this the, the election was not rigged i i just i i'm having a really hard time right. understanding well yeah we have to first look at you know there's a psychological phenomenon called cognitive dissonance mm -hmm. and what that means is if you believe one thing then you'll believe the next thing that's associated with your original belief and the more and more of these little beliefs that you garner up then the more likely you're going to stick to what you've done. So we just had the holidays. You might have gone out and bought, for example, a, a large screen TV. And it's like, you know, $100 over your budget. So you already compromised by saying, okay, my budget was this amount of dollars, but now I'm going to spend an additional 100 because it's on sale. So the mm -hmm. sale was the one justification. Then you get to the register. And they tell you, oh, well, for just, you know, $100 more, you can have an extended warranty. So then you justify saying, okay, well, I guess it's only $100 more to protect what I've already spent over my $100 original budget. So the more and more you compromise, the more and more you're willing subconsciously to continue to make more acquiesces or mm -hmm. to be more justifying of your subsequent behavior. And it's the same thing for um, in relationships. 
um, think about like domestic violence. Okay, well, the person hit me once and I forgave them because I really believe that they're going to not do it again. So the person hits the, the victim a second time. Okay, well, this time it was only because I did this or mm-hmm. I did that or they were really, really upset. So the more something undesirable happens, the only way that you can justify and to decrease your psychological stress and anxiety is by making another justification. And this is what's happening with Trump supporters, the very avid ones. We believe that he should have won. We voted for him. So since we voted for him, it's because we believed he should have won. When he didn't win and he's telling us that it was because it was stolen, then we have to, for our own sense of safety, also agree, well, maybe it really was stolen. And then the more and more you support him, the more you're going to be resistant to anyone saying anything negative about the person that you support. And no matter how crazy the person may behave, because of cognitive dissonance, you are going to keep on believing more and more craziness because if you accept that this one thing is not true, then you would have to then also backtrack and go over all the other things that you believed and then question, well, maybe that wasn't true as well, or maybe that was not right, or that was not fair, or that was not appropriate. So in order to keep believing your original thought and to justify your original actions through cognitive dissonance, you keep accepting more and more and more of what has happened. And then when it comes to you know, voter psychology and understanding how that happens, there's a thing called collective psychological empowerment. Mm. And when voters believe that they have an actual win, they Mm. believe they have been empowered. When they believe they have lost, they have a feeling of disempowerment. Uh, So imagine you're feeling disempowered because all election, regardless of who you vote for, if your person won, you now have a psychological sense of power and a sense of purpose, and you believe that you are able to then make a change. When you lose, you then feel as if all those things were taken away from you and you don't have any more empowerment and you feel as if there is a sense of um, hopelessness and a lack of power and a lack of possibility. So then when you have these results showing that President Trump did not win, You have repeatedly backed him, voted for him, disregarded the things that may not have been appropriate or safe to say, but you're now believing in these things. So not only do you feel as if when he lost that it was an injustice to your own voting psychology, but now someone's also telling you, well, no, you're powerless and you have a sense of low possibility, not because someone legitimately lost, but because now that loss was an injustice in and of itself. And so that injustice creates a self-defined injustice where people are now thinking, okay, well now we have our own sense of justice and a sense of injustice, and now we must take our own actions into our own hands to make our decisions to correct the injustice in our own version of justice. So that's how these things keep happening. Mm -hmm. And that's how it seems more and more crazy and incredulous. Like, okay, well, how can they keep believing that? Well, it's because they made small and small compromises from the beginning. And then it became so big that now there's no way I can come out and say I'm against Trump. Because that would mean I would have to then question my own 
validity, my own sense of person, my own sense of intelligence by agreeing to all the other previous things that I voted for or supported. So it's like basically doubling down. Like Correct. Correct. I've I've committed to this. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it in, you know, whatever, even if it's there's evidence contrary to what I believe. I don't believe that evidence because it's coming from people I don't trust. That's correct. That's correct. And if you're also someone who has either very discriminatory thoughts and behaviors or even racist beliefs, then it's going to be easy to feel as if, okay, well, I don't really believe all about what Trump is saying, but I do know I didn't like having a black president. I don't like how everyone's talking about how people who are not black or brown or minorities are now um, the bad guy. And so he is, meaning Trump is being extreme, but I'd rather support him than to support the other occurrences or the other beliefs that if I don't do this, then I'm going to completely lose my way of life and my sense of power. Hmm. Wow. So, I mean, hearing all of that, it just, it, it seems to me like there are some really deep rooted and embedded problems. And, mm-hmm. you know, a part of our show is to, provoke our listeners into action (laughs) exactly so you know i was thinking about what are some some specific areas of action that people can take um based on what we talked about today okay well um let's take a little snapshot about how the riot became the insurrection or the rally became the riot became the insurrection So all of that starts from a theory called contagion theory, like a contagious disease. So it's a contagion theory as well as group think. And what these psychological theories show us is that whenever people are in crowds, they are more likely to lose their individuality and to just go along with what the group is saying or doing so they can be part of the group to not be rejected and to also have a sense of acceptance and a sense of group power. Because, you know, again, whenever two or more are gathered, there's more and more power in that union. So imagine you're in this like crazy riot and crazy rallying. And so the reason why you can do that is because you believe in a sense of um, survival. So in Mm -hmm. order for us to correct what's happening, whenever you're in a group, especially when it's one that's politically heated, to deliberately ask yourself, am I following the group because I'm afraid of being rejected? Or does this group truly represent what I think and what I believe? So use that as your first and foremost thought whenever you're in groups that are becoming politically heated. Where do you truly, truly stand? And be courageous enough to ask yourself that question and to be okay with saying, well, you know what? I think I didn't want to be rejected or I felt fearful for my life or my lifestyle. And so I just went along so I could have that group protection. So ask Mm -hmm. yourself those questions first. So one, focusing on having the thought whenever you're in a group that's politically heated, asking yourself, do I really believe what the group is saying or what they stand for? Or am I letting fear and my survival instincts motivate me to just accept what they're doing. And the second thing, it's also important to not only have honest conversations face to face, but to be able to support free press 
or mm -hmm. expert based news and not just news conglomerates that are having a very um, fed to them message. So, you know, the third thing would be is to support free expert based and real experts, not fake experts, <laughs> real expert based information and truth so that you can make your own informed decision, which is one of the reasons why we're even here to you know provoke these conversations and to expose the truth. So not only listening to some of the things that we're saying, but looking at the research that you, Dr. Alicia, is providing so you can make your own informed decision and not just being corralled into groupthink and not thinking for yourself so you can make the best actions. And then I do want to say as one more thing is to become a deliberate anti-authoritarian supporter. And authoritarian is when you have the belief that you should just submit to one person, one way of thought, or one way of um, a political group or a small group of elite leaders, what they're thinking and what they're doing. If you just blindly support these people, that's also supporting authoritarianism. When you support authoritarianism, you are then giving away your freedom for personal choices or your freedom of personal thought. And then you're going to then be likely to then be caught up into the group think and the contagion thinking where you're like, okay, well, I just have to just be with what my group is saying, regardless of how correct or how crazy it may be. Well, those were just a few of the questions that we had from one of our most popular episodes of the Provocative Conversations podcast with Dr. Alicia Magruder and me, Dr. Renee Carr. So thank you again if you listened last year at the original launching of that episode, as well as listening for today. I hope that this information that you have is able to enlighten you and expand your conversation, because I'm sure there will be a lot of news today covering the January 6th insurrection, the historical event. And now you can add to that conversation in meaningful ways that not everyone will really be aware of. So again, thank you for listening. I'm looking forward to talking with you. And remember to continue this conversation using science and love. And if you want